some sweet harmonies to that uh, this week, didn't we? <laughs> hey, it's great to be here today, and thanks for, you know, choosing to celebrate with us on this just, you know, very cool uh, Sunday morning, right? Whew, man, I keep thinking I'm going to wake up, and the humidity is going to drop, and we're going to have, like, a more normal Chicago summer day. Anybody else with me? Are you kind of wanting that? Whew, seriously. Okay, eventually it'll happen, probably. Like, and then the next day it'll be below freezing, so what are you going to do? Anyway, we're here, and we're warm, and it's at least fairly cool inside. Okay, so um, Bitcoin, all right? Anybody familiar with that? Heard of it? Know what it is? Mm, if you're like me, probably not. Uh, cryptocurrency, all that stuff. I'm not really sure what it is, but it seems like every time I turn around, there's a 19-year-old with some, like, brand new fortune in Bitcoin. And Stephen Thomas, uh, with a picture of this guy, apparently he's a programmer. I think I got this story right. If I don't get it right, just tell me later and you can correct me. Um, he's a programmer in San Francisco, and he is one such millionaire, or he could be. And maybe you heard this story. If you could only remember what? You know what? Yeah, his password. Did you hear this story? This is crazy, all right? He has two guesses left to figure out his password that's worth like over $200 million. You think you have a hard time remembering passwords, okay? $200 million. Now, this password, if I understand it, will unlock a small hard drive known as an iron key, which contains a digital wallet that holds over 7,000 Bitcoin, all right? It was worth pennies when he started. It skyrocketed since. And now, from what I understand, it's going for around $40,000, all right, one Bitcoin. Now, the problem is that years ago, all right, he lost the paper where he wrote down the password, right, for his iron key, which gives users 10 guesses before it destroys its contents forever. This is a nightmare that just gets worse and worse. 10 guesses, then it's all gone, okay? And he's already tried eight of his most commonly used passwords to no avail. Can you imagine? Uh, Thomas said this. He said, I just lay in bed and think about it. <laughs> yeah, you think? Okay. Uh, then I go to the computer with some new strategy, and it doesn't work, and then I am desperate all over again. Now, that is absolutely brutal. Now, I think we all can identify with forgetting a password. Am I the only one? Okay, I think we've all done that more than one time. And I know there are plenty of ways to store them, plenty of ways to keep track of them, but every once in a while, I still log into an app or a website and it needs a password that I forgot to store or I don't remember. And it's so annoying, isn't it, to like reset your password? Anybody with me on that? I think we all are. So what I've done is I just use my first and last name and the number one and I'm good to go. I'm kidding. Of course I don't do that and I wouldn't say it out loud. But we all forget stuff, right? Common. We forget stuff. And it's one thing, you know, to forget like to take out the garbage or maybe to return, uh, I don't know, something that you bought online. But what happens when we forget about, like, substantial stuff? What happens when we forget about meaningful stuff? What happens when we forget about stuff that's important in our lives? What about when we maybe even forget about God? 
or maybe what he's done for us. See, remembering is absolutely essential. Remembering is essential. And that's exactly what we're going to talk about today as we conclude this series, When You Are. Because in this series, what we've been doing, we've been looking at the book of Psalms. And if you open a hardcover Bible, pretty much to the middle, you'll probably land in the book of Psalms. And in the Psalms, we've found that it can help us. That book can really help us connect to God in the midst of almost no matter what we happen to be going through. Uh, the Psalms were written centuries ago, and they're actually written as a prayer book. Did you know that? For the people of God to sing. And so what I love about the Psalms is when we're reading or maybe praying through the Psalms or maybe even singing the Psalms, we're doing that with millions of people who throughout the centuries have also used the book of Psalms to help them draw closer to God. Now, many of the Psalms are attributed to David. Uh, David, uh, the shepherd boy. Uh, David, the, the one who uh, defeated the giant Goliath, the one who eventually became you know, the greatest king uh, that Israel ever knew. Now, some scholars question whether David actually wrote all the psalms that are attributed to him. And I think Jeff mentioned this last week that, you know, sometimes we fail to, to remember that those headlines, those headings, those paragraph headings that we have in our Bibles weren't a part of the original text. But even scholars that question whether or not he wrote all of them still say that, you know what, what you read in there actually is connected to events in David's life. And David's life contains so many lessons so many lessons that can help us learn to pursue God almost no matter what life brings our way. Because just like David, or, you know, we experience all sorts of ups and downs, right? Um, I mean, if you think about it, you know, over the course of the past several weeks, we've learned that um, there were times when David's gratitude and praise towards God just, I mean, it overflowed. It almost like couldn't help but come out of him. Uh, there were other times when his remorse or brokenheartedness uh, was absolutely overwhelming. But there are also times in David's life uh, when he was feeling really, really good. There were times when, I mean, uh, it seemed like everything was working for David. And even though our circumstances are different, I think we can all relate to David. And so I want you to kind of go there with me today. And we're going to see how the Psalms can help when we're actually doing good. They can not only help when we're remorseful or brokenhearted or maybe confused, I think Psalms can also help when we're really doing good. And it's so important for us to look at it that way. You know, for the last three weeks, we've been saying that when, when times get tough, when there's confusion, maybe when we're feeling remorseful or even brokenhearted, we need to lean into God, right? I mean, we have a God who, who is always present and willing to help us navigate whatever life brings our way. And we have a guide in Jesus who not only understands what we're going through, but he's actually experienced what we go through. And I love this passage in, in Hebrews chapter 4. It says, For Jesus is not some high priest. Jesus is actually referred to as a high priest in Scripture who has no sympathy for our weakness and flaws. No, he has already been tested in every way that we are tested, but he emerged victorious without failing God. See, it's so important for us to remember that not only does God understand what we're going through, Jesus actually has gone through what we're going through. And in the tough times, I think our God wants us to come to him with everything we are and everything we have. But you know what? Here's the thing. It's not just in the tough times that he wants us to come to him. He also wants us to come to him when things are good. And I don't think we always think about that. He not only wants us to come to him when, when we're going through difficult stuff, he also wants us to come to him when things are going good. Now, I'm not going to ask for a, a show of hands or, or take a quick survey in here today, but if someone were to ask you, 
Um, are times good for you right now? How would you respond? In your own mind, think about that. If somebody were to ask you, yeah, you know, are times going good for you right now? How would you respond? I mean, would you say, yeah, actually, you know what? Things are going pretty good right now. Or would you say, well, you know what? Truthfully, John, uh, I'm in the midst of some really tough stuff right now. Uh, my hunch is that for a lot of us, we've probably had more tough times over the past couple of years than we've had good times. Um, I mean, I think we've all been um, a little overwhelmed, for example, by the political upheaval in our country, right? I think we're all challenged by the racial reckoning that is so important, but yet so very complex. And who hasn't been impacted by what now seems to be this, you know, never-ending pandemic, right? Here we are masked again, and, and it's just led to extreme isolation, right? Loneliness, you know, record-setting depression, and for some, physical sickness and even loss of life. But I, I, I recognize that all that has been really, really difficult. And, and what I hope, though, is that over the past year, in spite of all that, you've still been able to look back and maybe begin to see how God has done some really good stuff in your life in the last couple of years. Um, you know, my wife, Lisa, she's sitting in the front row here. Uh, we have uh, probably spent more time together in the last 18 months than we did in the previous 18 years put together because of the isolation and in the home working together, right? And um, you should probably ask her how she's felt about that after the service. But for me, it's actually been pretty good. <laughs> actually quite good. I mean, it hasn't always been easy, right? But it's been good. Um, you know, we've had some really great moments with our kids. We've been able to go out east and spend some extended time with them, you know, where they live now. And those have been very, very good times. And uh, personally, I, I'd have to tell you, I think that... Um, in the last two years, I've probably de depended on God um, and drawn closer to him in ways I, I don't think I ever have previously. And that's been very, very good. So, yes, the last couple of years have been hard, but also good. Good. But what about you? What about you? How has God done some good stuff in your life lately? I don't know, maybe the fact that you're here today is part of the good that God is doing, uh, even during some difficult times right now. Um, you know, not to sound cliche, but in some ways it has kind of been best of times, worst of times, right? Um, either way, though, best of times or worst of times, you know, good times or bad, do you see that God wants us to lean into him? But here's what I'll say about me. You know, my tendency is to lean less on God in the good times. My tendency is to lean on God less in the good times. You know, it's, it's a pattern I've seen over and over in my life. I sort of, you know, kind of take him for granted. I don't, I don't forget that he's here. That wouldn't be very pastoral of me. But I'm just less dependent on him in the good times. I mean, in the tough times, I lean on him because I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to get through without him, right? But in the good times, I, I have a tendency sometimes to kind of put him on the back burner, you know, almost like a safety valve. I know that he's going to be there if I need him. And so I'm just not as, tune, as in tune with him during the good times. And so, you know, I tend to be a little bit less grateful maybe when times are good. You know, my times with him, you know, in prayer and scripture reading and, and reflection become a little less frequent. And, you know, I'm still here, here every week on Sundays. But if I'm honest, I don't always feel like I need it as much as I do when times are hard. I don't know if, does that resonate with you? But I think it's kind of how we're wired up, you know. I mean, when we're doing good, we, we, we tend to drift toward self-reliance, don't we? 
you know, we put the panic button away and we, we start to kind of coast. And, and it's even part of our culture. I mean, we're, we're encouraged to be, you know, self-reliant. We, we live in a do-it-yourself world, right? And if you can't do it yourself, then somebody on YouTube has done it themselves. So you can do it yourself, right? <laughs> we all know that. But you know what? This is not a new problem. I mean, throughout the Old Testament, we see both individuals and people groups bouncing back and forth between self-reliance and dependence. Self-reliance and dependence. I mean, the, the book of Judges in the Old Testament is an entire book about how God sent messengers to his people over and over again, the people of Israel, to bring them back to him, to refocus them on God. And you know what? Often they would for a little bit, but then they'd fall back into self-reliance all over again. And our mission at Community is helping people find their way back to God. That's what we're all about, helping people find their way back to God. And you know what? Finding your way back to God is definitely a life-changing moment for sure. But you know what? It's also a life-growing process. Finding your way back to God is a life-changing moment, but it's also a life-growing process because we all have that tendency to drift, don't we? To forget. And I think even more so when we're doing good than when we're not doing so good. And man, I, I can't tell you, you know, how many people over the years, you know, will, will walk through our doors and I don't know, it might be after a relationship came to an end and they're just, you know, devastated by it. Um, or maybe it's after a, you know, very scary medical diagnosis. Or it might be, you know, at a time when they're fighting with everything they have to overcome an addiction. And, you know, they find their way back to God. They experience a life-changing relationship with other Christ followers. And then life gets good. You know, and, and instead of leaning in and deepening their walk with Jesus and remembering all that he's done for them, what happens? They begin to drift. They begin to drift. And so I want to challenge us today, and maybe this is why you're here today, for this alone, that it's not just in the tough times that we need to turn to God. It's also in the good times. Let me say that again. It's not just in the tough times that we need to turn to God. It's also in the good times. And see, over the last three weeks, we've seen in David's life and through the Psalms how vulnerable David was when he turned to God during some really, really tough times. But you know what? David also expressed gratitude and joy to God in the good times. And the psalm I want to look at right now, this psalm was likely written toward the end of David's life, and he seems to be doing pretty good. Uh, and as he looks back on all that God has done for him, um, he was moved uh, to write these words. Take a look at this. He writes, Praise the Lord, my soul. All my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Praise the Lord in this good season of life. See, David is giving praise to God. And notice the last line there, forget not all his benefits. In other words, David's sort of reminding himself not to forget all the good stuff God has done for him. Now, when you think of benefits, I don't know what you think of, but I, I think of like the extras that you get with your, you know, with your salary from your employer. Maybe it's health or 401k or cell phone, whatever it might be or might not be anymore. But it's all the ways your employer is just a little bit extra generous. And, and in this psalm, these benefits, see, are ways in which God has been gracious and kind to us. And see, we need to remember or not forget all the benefits that God brings our way. And I think it's easier to do that, quite frankly, when things are going good. 
And so at a time when David seems to be doing good, he pauses to remind himself not to forget the ways in which God has been right there with him every step of the way. And in doing so, he's reminding us also to remember. Now, when you look back on your life, okay, whether you're you know, 25 or 55 or somewhere in between, can you remember times when God was good? Think about that. When you look back on your life, can you remember times when maybe God was with you, provided for you? Can you remember how he maybe worked through people and circumstances to guide you through a particularly difficult time, maybe to protect you? And not, not that life was always good and pain-free, not at all, but can you remember times when you experienced his grace? You experienced his goodness. You experienced his love. You experienced his peace. Maybe it was almost unexplainable at the time. See, I hope that you, like David, can look back on your life and see how God was there and he was good. 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 You know, as a young man, uh, David defeated the giant Goliath. We probably learned that if you went to Sunday school at all or are familiar with David's life in any way at all, you've heard of David, you know, David defeating the Goliath, right, the giant. I mean, it was an unthinkable and improbable victory for David. Incredible. That not only changed the course of his own life, but changed the course of his people's lives. His victory won the battle for the nation of Israel and established David as one of the most incredible warriors in all of history. At just 30 years old, David began a 40-year reign as king, becoming the greatest and most beloved king in Israel's history. I mean, from shepherd boy to a, a God's anointed, it's hard to overstate the magnitude of David's rise. And at the same time, he was also known as a man after God's own heart. Who wouldn't want to be known that way? A man or a woman after God's own heart. And then there, there were a lot of good day, days in David's life, but this one was probably his finest day ever when he led the recapturing of Jerusalem. And because of that, he was able to bring the Ark of the Covenant, which was where the people of Israel believed God actually resided, back to where it belonged, to Jerusalem. This was a huge step in restoring Israel's faith in God. As the Ark returned to Jerusalem, the people, the entire nation erupted in praise. David danced before the people and before God. Okay, maybe this is a little bit of a stretch, but how many of you remember the, the Cubs uh, championship parade in 2016 when they brought the trophy to Chicago? Can we go there for just a moment? I know it seems like a very, very, very faint memory, okay? This was kind of like that except probably times 10, okay? But if you look at David's life, I mean, you see God's goodness all over it time and time and time and time again. And what I like about David, what seems to have happened here is when times are good, you see, instead of drifting into complacency, which I think is so easy to do, David moved towards God. He moved towards God. He writes, I will sing the Lord's praise, for he has been, finish it for me, he has been, yeah, good to me, good to me. Don't miss this, okay? I believe this is so vital if we hope to develop a deep and lasting faith. All right? When we are good, when we are good, we need to move towards God and remember his goodness. When we are good, 
We need to move towards God and remember his goodness. But let me also say this, okay? Don't, don't miss this either. When you're not good, when you're going through a tough time, which might be where you are right now today, I think even then it's an important time to remember the goodness of God. Even when things are tough, when you're not, when you're not feeling good, when you're going through a really difficult season, I think even then it's important to remember the goodness of God. I can't tell you how helpful it has been to me when I've been going through really tough times to kind of reflect back and go, okay, yeah, it's tough right now, God, but I can remember your goodness back then. You are a good, good God. Times aren't good, but you are good and you have been good. Okay, so now I'm not usually one for uh, catchy lines or phrases, but I've found these words helpful for me to remember, and I want you today to kind of remember them along with me, okay? And it's these words. Maybe you've heard this before. God is good all the time, and all the time God is good. Have you heard that before? God is good all the time, and all the time God is good. And I I want us to learn it together. So I'm going to say the first part of each phrase, and then I want you to say the second part through your mask. I'm going to say it as loud as you possibly can, all right? So I will say God is good, and then you will say, you guys got this down. Then I'll say, and all the time, and you will respond with, Yeah, you guys don't even have to, like, practice. All right, let's try that again, though. Okay, ready? God is good and all the time. One more time. God is good and all the time. Man, I wish I could record that. I could play that again throughout the course of the week. And it's so true. It's so true. And so today we're going to remember. And in the next few moments, I'm going to lead us through a time of remembering. And what I want to do is I want to walk us through this time by mentioning three specific things to remember. And then I want you to remember, and we're going to do that by singing and just sharing just a little bit, okay? We're going to remember three particular things. I'm going to do that by singing and then just sharing for just a little bit. And the first Psalm says uh, to forget not all his benefits. You see that in the last line, forget not all his benefits. We talked about that earlier. And, And a great way to translate this Psalm all right, is this. Uh, Bless him for his blessings. Did you know that you can bless God? I think we always think of, you know, God blesses us, right? No, we can actually bless God. And so right now, I want to invite you in this moment, if you would, you know, kind of relax a little bit, become a little bit reflective for a few moments. And I want to invite you to respond in this moment by thinking about something for which you are grateful. All right, just think about something for which you are grateful because this is one way we can remember and we can bless God. When we're grateful, that's a way that we get to bless our Heavenly Father. So go ahead, just think about how, think about something God has done for which you are grateful. I don't know, maybe it was an answered prayer. Uh, Maybe he clearly provided for you. uh, I don't know, maybe it was a friend. Maybe it was an opportunity. Maybe it was a new reason for hope. I don't know, maybe you're grateful for how God healed you or someone that you love. But what is something God has done for which you are grateful? And I want you to think about that for just a few moments. I'm going to be quiet. And um, if there's somebody near you, you know, go ahead and just share that with them if you would, what it is that you're grateful that God has done. And, um, and then offer a silent prayer to God, just you and God, um, thanking him for whatever he's done. Okay, does that make sense? So think about what, what is one thing that you're grateful for that God has done. And when you have that in your mind, just take a moment, share it with somebody near you if you can, or if you're not comfortable doing that, that's fine too. But then offer a a silent prayer, thanking God for what he's done. If you haven't yet, yet, go ahead and just take a moment and offer a prayer of thanksgiving to God. Express your thanks to him for for what he's done for you. All right, so we, we not only remember 
you know, what God has done, express our thanks to him in that way, we also remember uh, who he is. Um, I love this Psalm 103:8. The Lord is compassionate and gracious. Think about that, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. This is the God we worship. This is the God we serve. We often remember who God is when we sing to him. I I love the fact that many of our songs remind us of his goodness, remind us of his grace, remind us of his love, remind us of his power. I need those reminders. Do you? So uh, we're going to take just a few moments and bless him through song. We're going to bless him for his blessings. All right?